0: Welcome back to another episode of DSLR Film New Podcast. I've got Devin with me today from L.A. That is sort of rhyming. I don't know if it is actually. But Devin. A little bit. What, what, you, you, you've been gone for, what, a week? I mean, my schedule's been busy, so it's actually my fault yes. this time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I see you have a couch now. You have a, a yeah. little more furniture moving into that
1: somewhat sparse apartment. How's life? <laughs> Life's doing Okay. I know lots of uh, lots of adjustments, lots of things changing. Um, I'm frustrated that it's hard to get a decent connection uh, into an apartment. Uh, that's to be assumed. Uh, I've been I've, I've been even looking at possibly running multiple lines and bonding them into what? the apartment to try to get the bandwidth up to where I want it to be. Because uh, five megabits of upload is just uh, really tough to live with. Uh, other than that, it's uh, it's been pounding the pavement and running out there and uh, you know trying to find something to shoot it's been fun and of course the weather's been great and on my end i just
0: got back from a shoot in omaha i uh flew out to kill some people uh shot blood model i think was the name of it uh so uh they paint people with blood or something i don't the plot was a little convoluted but uh lots of murder lots of blood (laughs) lots of guts uh lots of uh, camera kit all kinds of dollies and everything else it was it was kind of a mess but uh that's your specialty yeah, you know, uh, it pays well. It pays for uh, one of these guys right here. So, you know, thanks for the money, guys. I uh, wasted it all of it on a five D Mark IV, <laughs> which I am still on the fence about. Uh, but other than that, nothing exciting to report. And I feel like, unless you've got something, Devin, it's probably just time to dive right into, what is it, IBA, IBC is what's going on right now,
1: isn't it? Yes, the IBC, International Broadcasting Conference.
0: There's a lot of stuff trickling out of IBC, and we've got a few of the things on the show notes for today. So let's go ahead and move into the news. Time for the news. I mentioned IBC, and then the first thing I pick is something (laughs) completely unrelated to IBC. Uh, This was actually announced quite a while ago, but uh, it's, it's out there. It's starting to get reviews. The Panasonic Similux... Twelve millimeter f1.4 uh this rounds out well, i don't know if it rounds out but it definitely fills in some gaps in their kind of premium prime lenses for micro four-thirds bodies uh this will be equivalent to a 24 millimeter for those of you shooting on full frame and f1.4 what does that work out to Devin in uh a depth of field is that like equivalent to a f2 ish f2.8 uh, something like
1: that I, I think like an uh point at like it's it's like a 2.3 or something like that it's um yeah, It's not super shallow when you get down to a 2x crop factor like that.
0: Still pretty sexy. Uh, this lens will set you back a premium price, a prime price, so to speak, <laughs> uh, $1,200 for this guy. Uh, the only thing really out there to compete with it is the Olympus 12mm f2 or the Panasonic 15mm f1.7. Now, those are both at least half or a third the price of this super sexy prime. Instead of spending $1,200, do you think it would be better to just go for a uh, Canon lens and adapt it and get as much as you can out of it?
1: Uh, I I think, yeah, uh, unless that autofocus is really a necessity because you're shooting photos with it. In terms of video work, uh, sure, it costs extra weight, but I think, too, it's uh, probably a little better of an investment Uh, since this is just coming out now. I think like a lot of the Panasonic glass, you can expect it to kind of... Steadily decline over time. Not to saying that's not an investment, but you know, Canon prices have been, whether or not it's justified, uh, pretty solid. rock solid yeah. for a long time. And uh, Panasonic, on the other hand, the the reason why I picked up uh, their two zooms, the uh, twelve to thirty five and the thirty five to one hundred, is because they've been steadily declining in price. They used to be twelve hundred, and now I think brand new you can maybe find them for eight hundred or nine hundred or something like that. So. It, right now, I wouldn't rush out and buy it. I think it would make more sense to uh, invest in maybe some used glass and use some adapters for it, especially if it's video work.
0: Now, for video work, what do you think about this compared to something like the 17.5-millimeter uh, Nocta... Uh, I have, like, three of these, and it's escaping me. lenses.
1: <laughs> Voitlanders, yeah. Um, I I love the Voitlanders. the fact that they've got that... Um, uh, slightly f- further focus throw, which is really great for video work. One of these kind of lenses, that's kind of what you lose, I mean if you're a videographer that does auto while you're shooting, uh, we know DJ does auto to kind of like set up his focus, but DJ doesn't normally have auto on while the shot is continuing on. If you're one of those shooters that's more documentary style, and that's the way you roll is you use auto focus like that, then something like this makes sense. Uh, but a lot of these lenses that I've used in the past, they don't have a lot of throw on the focus. It can be hard during a shot to try to find that focus because it can be a little touchy. Uh, and in that case, something like the Voigtlander's, which tend to have a lot of throw on them, um, even though they're not strictly cinema glass or anything like that, uh, as well as that smooth iris can kind of help you to work, uh, the shot while you're, while you're recording it. So, I think that goes a long ways. Uh, what's the Voigtlander? Uh, what's it? What would you say? Fourteen point five or I something know, like 17.5 that? Seventeen
0: point five. I think is the is the wider. So that's about a thirty-five yeah. millimeter equivalent as f 95 So that gets you down uh, full frame equivalent to like what one eight or so. I think. Uh, yeah. Which is is I like them. I I keep a set of those. I use them on a regular basis. Uh, there was a couple times where uh, this week. This weekend, I shot with uh, the Sony a7S Mark II and the uh, GH4 as my backup. And there was a couple times where I needed some shallow depth of field out of the GH4 and the Sony was, you know, on another uh, Mm -hmm. mount or whatever, and I didn't want to take it apart. And grabbing the 25 or the uh, uh, 45 or 42.5 millimeter, uh, both of those were able to, you know, get me a nice out of focus background and some beautiful shots. So even though I am a lazy shooter, I am still uh,
1: happy to grab those when needed, uh, one thing well and i i'm a huge fan of the slr magic too which is a slightly cheaper alternative to the Voigtlanders. uh and there's a lot of debate over which one is uh better performing but i'm a fan of the actually the slr magic which has pretty much the same glass throughout the entire range but it is manufactured in a different factory you know, so this it's guy's a talking bit a lot different. of
0: smack here we uh we actually <laughs> when last time we were together we were supposed to test these two out and see whether my 25 or your slr magic 25 had a better image and uh Unfortunately, we failed to do that because <laughs> beers and other things. So, mm-hmm. sorry. I want I still want to test that. Maybe next year when we get together for our annual mm-hmm. meetup, we can try something out. Uh, <laughs> I was holding the Canon 5D Mark IV up, and the reason I was is the touchscreen on this, I've been messing around with the face facial tracking, and I think you could actually legitimately get away with being a crap-ass filmmaker and just touch a face, and this thing will track close enough that i may never have to pull focus again what do you think about that's that's a stretch actually um i'll definitely still have (laughs) to pull focus again Uh, this is not the solve all, but you know sony's brought in cameras with a fairly good autofocus in live view video mode and now canon is starting to offer that in their mid-tier cameras we even saw that i think if i remember correctly doesn't the xc15 that they just announced have a touchscreen
1: with uh, the same focus system as
0: well i might be wrong i believe
1: on that. so the um i don't think it has the dual pixel uh canon autofocus system but i believe too that's one of the things they advertise is the facial recognition autofocus supposedly being better than the last generation
0: so i mean uh- maybe someday
1: in the future we could get away with not actually having to do focus at all. They, uh, they've gotten more and more impressive. And it, it's interesting because it's attacking the problem from a whole different angle. You think about the old DVX-100Bs and stuff like that. And they had pretty competent autofocus systems. Um, and a lot of them were built just around um, distance calculation. And I mean, too, with a one-third inch size sensor, getting something in focus isn't exactly a challenge. Uh, But with something like a full frame, like a 5D, it's really fascinating the way that they're attacking it more from a what should we put in focus Uh, and the systems and the computers get better and better about calculating for that focus. Uh, So with the right glass and everything else, I think you're right. I I don't think it'll take too long until more and more shooters start to trust autofocus systems uh, for a lot of projects. Especially if you're just doing like live
0: coverage or sort of documentary stuff. Absolutely. If something's a little slow to focus every once in a while and you still get 90% of your shots and it saves you the time of actually Mm -hmm. trying to set that stuff up, that might be worth it, actually. <laughs> now, speaking of other things that might be worth it, if you need a focus assist, uh, you know, someone running a, a focus controller for you and a remote monitor, uh, Paralynx is well-known for their wireless transmitters. They have now announced the new Dart, which is a 2900 Might as well say $3,000, right? 3000 yeah. <laughs> uh, this thing has a transmitting range of up to 1,000 feet. Uh, it has a micro HDMI input and... Basically, you know, this is like a tinier, more advanced version of their uh, their older Aero system, it looks like. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they are also supporting uh, SDI or HDMI output, where I believe the Aero was only HDMI output. Correct. Uh, this is pretty expensive. It is. It is. Is spending. it a, a noticeable <laughs> upgrade? I mean, I guess that's a quite a bit further distance of transmission compared to the previous generation. Do you think it's, three thousand versus what I think
1: a, a nine hundred ninety nine dollars will get you the arrow not it? Uh, yeah. Um, I for me personally, I think what's happening here, the reason why they are able to boast such numbers, is because I believe they're using a frequency range that most of your Wi Fi. and and other five gigahertz products can't use because the government requires that those antennas have sensors on them to know if they're interfering with radar and other military applications of five gigahertz in order to retard their transmission so they don't interfere, which most people aren't gonna run into, necessarily that kind of interference, Uh, uh, but you're not legally allowed to use those frequencies except for uh, unless it can react to the situation around it to make sure that it doesn't cause problems. I think that they're. while I don't have a text sheet on it, I think they're putting themselves in that space so they know that they won't have an interference problem and they can get away with kind of different transmission rates in terms of power and everything else. I think really the selling point here though is the smaller size. Uh, for a lot of people who are running smaller cameras, I mean you look at um, uh, Blackmagic, probably the smallest camera there is that you can swap lenses on, maybe next to the Z Cam or something like that. but. The, uh, I think it's kind of built for those applications of keeping a rig really light and small uh, and working within those constraints. Uh, because other things like the arrow you put on a DSLR or something like that, and it's kind of like putting a giant light or putting like a couple of wireless receivers, it takes up a bit of room. So I think here they're really trying to market the size, and that's what they keep going after. Uh, I think, too, that it's really pricey, but for, I think, some people with rentals and people who have to worry about follow focuses and things like that, it can be a way that, hey, you can stick this on your DJI Ronin and then have somebody be doing wireless follow focus or something like that. And I think that's what they're trying to build it for is uh, Ronins. I'm not sure they're really looking into the drone, but that could be something, but they're not advertising that it's really built for drone work. Uh, But that's what I think that they're trying to do here is to take uh, even better technology and shrink it down to try to get more people on their brand. Because even before, it's not like they had a whole lot besides a low price that was convincing people to come over to their product. Um, And a lot of people who already use the system that works, it's very hard to get them to jump ship unless you give them new features. It needs to be something better than just price.
0: Now, what do you think about this compared to something like uh, uh, Aperture's Link system? Because they've got that new, I think it's good for 300 feet, and it's about $600 or so. Uh, Mm -hmm. That one, I mean, most of the features... Uh, it's not as it's not as tiny and compact a, as this, and it's probably not as nicely set up. It's sort of this weird triangle. It is a weird shape, shape thing that goes on the top of your camera. But uh, six ninety nine uh, for those who just need like a wireless director
1: monitor or something like that. Uh, how do you think that compares? I, I I think that for a lot of people, that is the at least a lot of the people who watch this show. That is what they should be looking at if they want to look at wireless video. Uh, the situation here with uh, a paralink is part of their methodology is to get uncompressed video so that it can be externally recorded among other things. And uh, while I probably wouldn't trust something like the aperture system without testing it a lot for something like wireless recording uh, for a director's monitor and just like hey, we want to see what the shot looks like when the camera's out on the jib um, and we don't you know want to run a bunch of cable or other things like that, I think it becomes super useful for those situations. I could also see it being pretty useful if you're one person and for some reason you have to do a two-camera shoot. Uh, You can kind of set this up on a secondary camera, set up a monitor, and I can watch both cameras at the same time to make sure that there's no funny business going on with exposure or focus or anything like that. So I kind of like the price point, and and they've done a pretty good job of keeping a small size, uh, relatively speaking, for a lot of this kind of wireless technology. Um, I think for a lot of our audience, that's probably something closer in line of what they'd be looking for. Where a Paralink is somewhere between like huge, you know, ten thousand dollar wireless systems, and something like the Aperture system. Uh, when I saw this
0: announced, I was like, "Really, you made see through plastic? <laughs> is that that the choice we're going to go with
1: here?" Aputure? I I don't understand the methodology either. Uh, and it, it's it got a weird shape, and I'm sure it has a weird shape for a specific reason because of its internal antennas. Uh, but the clear plastic part, I, I don't know if they think that'll make people think that, like, it works better because the plastic's transparent or something. I don't know. Uh, in, in any case, it is kind of an awkward shape. Uh, but you could tell they tried to build it around the hot shoe and mounting onto a hot shoe. So I kind of give them points for that. If you're really in a minimalist setup where you only have a DSLR and you don't have rails or a cage or other things, you could still fit this on top comfortably. So, you know, that's always good.
0: All right, the next thing up on the list is actually hmm. uh from Teradec, uh another company. I think I think Deck and uh are, are both like under the same umbrella company now. If I remember correctly, they were bought out most mostly like a I, I could be wrong, but I think you might, it be, like, you might be right about I that. I think uh, the the tripod company, I want to say like uh, whoever owns Liebeck or, or whatever that uh, like kind of w- strange brand tripod company bought a bunch of these uh, little companies and they bought Small Rig, and they also bought uh, Paralynx, I think, and uh, possibly, I don't know if Deck might be saved from that. But regardless, uh, Teradek has got the Sapphire now, or the Sphere, excuse me. And this Mm -hmm. is a 360-degree wireless video system with four HDMI inputs. Mm -hmm. Uh, You put this in the show notes, (laughs) and I'm looking at it now, and I'm thinking, WTF? Why? Why? When? Where? I mean, uh, of course, there are always 360-degree
1: excuses, but wirelessly, (laughs) what are you doing with this? Right. uh, One of the things that hasn't really been conquered yet uh, in terms of a market, in terms of 360 and VR and where those technologies are headed, uh, has been broadcast, has been live streaming. Uh, the only way to live stream 360 in the past is to use a dedicated 360 solution camera, something that's doing the stitching and the color correction and everything else on board, so that it's just giving you a signal that you can then wrap into a 360 transmission. Uh, what the, this Teradex Sphere is letting you do, which keep in mind, this is pricey. We're talking about 3000 to 4000 Uh, you're gonna spend more if you go for the SDI option, or as well as if you can go up to eight cameras. This is built to do real time stitching, color correction, exposure correction, all that kind of stuff with better quality cameras, as opposed to kind of those hand, those like single cameras that are all built in for 360. You can use eight GoPros, you can use four DSLRs, there's lots of options here. Uh, the Blackmagic micro studio camera or something like that. There's a lot of options here to, like, wrap this stuff together. Uh, And Teradek is putting a solution out there that no one else is for stitching it all together and live streaming it. Now, me and DJ uh, have talked in the past about uh, the viability of 360, and I do think that there's a future in it, and I do think it's going to go places. And I especially think that one of the places that 360 works really well um, is in live situations which even though we haven't seen it really enter that space yet, I think that 360 works well to experience something around you. Um, and it's kind of for, and I would say saved kind of for a special occasion because kind of doing a two hour feature film through it is kind of like, I'm not sure that that's going to go places, as well as like even funny videos on the internet. So, wait, like you, do you want to you... like stick this in the
0: middle of uh, the Democratic convention or the Republican convention and just have people
1: <laughs> get stared at online from a, a, you know, a spherical camera in the it middle? Could, it could very well be like that. But, too, because of how small the cameras have gotten, they can even be um in very impressive uh situations that you couldn't be yourself say that you could have something like this on a race car uh you could have like you're saying with the RNC or DNC you could have this mere you know 50 feet away from the podium so you can get a big view of that as well as the room around it and everything else it can make for very interesting experiences that you can drop yourself in live Uh, And that's and that's what I find fascinating is because it's a complicated procedure to stitch everything together, color correct it, make sure like the edges aren't super obvious and show really well and stuff like that. Um, And Teradek is smart to jump all over it because I could really see that exploding as VR and 360 Uh, keep you know the demand for them keep going up and up and up and more and more people are talking about we need to develop this content Premiere's already doing 360 video natively so you know this is go this is going to get more popular and no one else has really touched this all that they've done is like computer solutions where you got to bring an entire computer out to sit here and wrap videos together and live stream them so um, i'm kind of impressed with it even though i may may not think that there's a lot for me to uh you know interact with 360 video and stuff like that I think for me a lot of content um <clears throat> excuse me I I think that it's just it's it's a really smart idea and they're the first to it and I think that's going to be huge for their company so uh, while you were talking I, <laughs> I was also adding stuff to the show notes
0: because I saw yep. this I just came up in my newsfeed as I have an angry uh Pomeranian sitting on my lap uh, attacking my he needs hands. attention uh, yeah, she, <laughs> she is very needy right now. Um, so this thing is actually way cheaper than the three to $4,000 uh, Deck or the other wireless system we have. And it's actually kind of interesting. I don't know if you've seen this, Devin. It's $100. And it is an XLR audio transmitting system from Alesis of all companies. And basically what we got here is a battery or plug-in powered head unit with an audio output and an XLR plug that just jams right into the back of your microphone. Uh, This guy is another 2.4 gigahertz spectrum unit, so don't expect anything really amazing. But if you have, say, a microphone that is powered with a battery or something like that, this is $102.00 and it's capable of running off of batteries i mean stuff like this is getting so cheap before we even dive into the the next thing on the list which is the uh rode xlr transmitter what do you think i mean that's 100
1: bucks <laughs> you know that's it would be interesting to see how useful it is in that space cuz after all we've done some tests with 2.4 gigahertz wireless and it can vary widely depending on what technology is in never use
0: posted cuz i'm a jerk <laughs>
1: Uh, but we know that if you buy really cheap wireless lobs that use 2.4 gigahertz, uh, you, you can't expect a whole lot from them in terms of uh, dealing with interference and a lot of the other things going on. Uh, here, I think it's something that's definitely worth trying out. It looks like they're trying to market it towards, like, conference rooms and things like that. Uh, but still, in, while... Uh, I think what's interesting is the fact that it's all, right? Because it takes three AAAs to power the receiver. Yeah, that's crazy. And so, it, so it's compl- it is a completely wireless system. And while it's not built to be mounted on a camera or something like that, it doesn't mean that that could be a cheap way to add a wireless mic to uh, an audio bag or something like that. Well, $100, uh, though.
0: I mean, just the components. This is cheaper than pretty much any of the uh, other XLR units out there. Uh,
1: Absolutely.
0: $100? I mean, that's crazy, right?
1: That, that is crazy. Like I said, it's, I can't speak to it because I don't know how good it is once you power it up oh, and get it, it out in the field. It could just be junk. It could just be junk. That's what I'm trying to say. But it's
0: $100, Devin. I mean, I think you it's, should
1: buy one and take one for the yeah, team. Yeah, you're trying to convince me to buy one because you don't want to possibly waste your money on it. Well, I was looking. Uh, I've I've been
0: eyeballing. Uh, this. Ceremonic also sells an XLR Phantom Power unit that uh, is – Compatible with some of the wireless kit that I already own from them, and and I was thinking about spending one hundred and forty nine dollars to purchase that, and it's you know it's attractive, it works with the system, it, it provides phantom power, but then one hundred and forty nine dollars versus a hundred dollars, and you know maybe <laughs> a hot glue gun later, and we could attach something like this lovely Alesis to our system without any issue. Which I mean, uh, yeah, that might be. Pretty hokey. I don't think I'd take that to a client. But man, if you're on a low budget shoot and someone was looking for an audio adapter that was cheap,
1: uh, you could do worse, I guess. You could do way worse. No, I I think think that that's definitely a a good solution. I I think that that's, I mean, uh, barring that it works. I think for a lot of low-budget people, that could be something to consider. Uh, But still, like you're saying, the Saramonic, $150 for a UHF transmitter is really cheap. Like, I don't think it gets much cheaper than that uh, unless you really go bargain bin and you end up with some, like, not going to withstand the test of time kind of equipment. Uh, The other thing I've been looking at, Devin, and I don't know if you've
0: seen these or not, you ever looked at one of these guys? No. No, I've never seen one of those in my life. They're ridiculous. They're like a a wireless dongle that's powered off of a, a phantom power. All right, this is enough pipe dreaming. DJ's just going to spend <laughs> too much time looking around on Amazon at crap that I don't need. Let's talk about the Rode transmitter now that uh, we've kind of gotten to the wireless audio. This thing is... It's basically an accessory we've been waiting for for over a year, years. maybe two years oh now. They, they announced this quite a while ago. Uh, this thing is basically everything that you would hope for in an XLR fan and power unit. It's capable of headphone monitoring at the source, so you could theoretically use this as a, you know, sort of monitoring system while you're running a boot mic. It also wirelessly transmits via uh, H, or excuse me, not H.264, 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi uh, back to Mm -hmm. the units, which, again, we discussed, isn't great for lengths over 30 feet or so, especially in congested areas. And what's the price on this, $300?
1: Yeah, it is definitely pricey. I mean, one thing that it has that most don't, which you could argue is just the fact of using an adapter, is uh, it does have a 3.5-millimeter screw-type input, so you could use this in place of what you would normally use a lav belt pack for or something like that, uh, because it'll take... Love mics that are 3.5 millimeter and whatnot that's but that's
0: pretty clunky though i mean it, it, plugging your <laughs> you can see right here folks if you're watching the video there's a 3.5 millimeter jack right here on the side but imagine shoving this big boxy thing
1: in your pocket you know well the, and supposedly i think there's a, a clip that it's supposed to come with to help you put it on the belt or something like that um it, it's one of those that i could see more being for in a pinch uh or in a situation something goes wrong something goes dead one thing that i love about this is the fact that it does use uh, that Sony NF battery as well as AA's. So everyone's got a couple of those lying around for their LED cameras or something like that, and especially with this being phantom power, uh, which will probably suck down battery like crazy. Uh, being able to throw Sony MP rechargeables on there uh, could go a long way in towards making this thing run all day. So I'm a big fan of that, but you're right. It is really pricey. Um, And uh, I'm not sure if the features necessarily outweigh it. Like you said, that headphone jack, they advertise it as like when you're using a handheld mic in the field, being able to make sure that your mic placement is good. Uh, I I suppose for smaller teams, that may be something that's important. I think normally you've got an audio guy or a camera guy who's monitoring levels, and he's kind of fixing any kind of bad mic placement that might show up. And just most uh, people out in the field... You learn that. It's a skill. You learn how to do mic placement so you don't have to worry about it. So it it does seem like um, a lot of features, but then the price also seems like a lot, too, uh, especially when you consider that um, I wasn't really impressed with the range in terms of how it handled interference. I mean, there's only so much you can expect from 2.4 gigahertz, so but also
0: for... Let's talk about that for a second. So sure. the test, Devin and I are referring to at NAB, which is a high Wi-Fi environment, and someday I'll post this, folks. Uh, we we <laughs> someday. did it, but uh, it was kind of rough and uh, uh it's out of focus and looks a little weird um devin was running the camera by the way i'm gonna throw that one on his lap but uh <laughs> what happened was basically we went to the nab floor and we had a road link with us we also had the uh asden what was there the not the asden uh audio okay guys so if you noticed we dropped short there uh apparently neither devin or i are authenticated <laughs> To work with Google Hangouts Uh, We both got authentication errors And Google Hangouts promptly gave us both uh, the boot Uh, This is the 12th, which is the last day That uh, Hangouts is supposed to be active And we are using it, pushing our envelope, (laughs) so to speak And it is pushed back with enormous force Beating us down, destroying Mm -hmm. the show Stopping us from continuing our last bits of thought Devin, what -hmm. do you think about this before we get out
1: of here? (laughs) Um, I I think it goes to show you that um, while we we may like the whole Hangouts experience, uh, we must be the only ones Uh, at least least nobody important seems to be using Hangouts anymore because I can't believe Google's uh, you know, I I understand partially what they're trying to do, but at the same time too, uh, it's upsetting because for more or less compared to Skype and other things, this is a service that seems to work pretty well and have very few complaints and so um i guess we're gonna have to find a different solution
0: yeah i'm looking through the uh troubleshooting guide on on hangouts right now so maybe someday hopefully <laughs> maybe by someday. uh friday because i have a show with mitch on friday i'll have yeah, this hopefully all by sorted out yeah. so i may be frantically experimenting anyway guys thanks for listening thanks for watching sorry this is a short show today but it's always great having everybody here listening and <laughs> watching so you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundClouds, or anywhere podcasts you're distributed. You can find me at DSLR DSLRFilmNoob on Twitter or at DSLRNoob.com on the interwebs. Uh, Devin, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Devocut.com. Feel free to tweet me. And uh, thanks again, guys. We will see you next time on another episode of DSLR Film Noob Broken Podcast. <laughs>